take a look inside yourself. Good day. The Talmud teaches that humans are composed of 248 body parts, and the good urge and the evil urge struggle over the body as a whole, each lodging in different body parts. That's fascinating. On that basis, James addresses the young Jewish Christian church with the cause of fighting among them. He says, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it the whole army of evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous for what others have, and you can't possess it, so you fight and quarrel to take it away from them. And yet, the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole motive is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Found in James 4, verses 1 through 3. Do we need to consider the desires that battle inside each of us? James challenges the church as he challenges you and me. Take a look at your conduct. Choose to cultivate the good and control the evil. Apparently, James makes such an abrupt change from peacemaking to fighting because the new Jewish Christians are choosing to feed the evil, self-seeking urges within, which is the antithesis of humility about which he had been writing. I'm caught by James' words, you want what you don't have. Listen to that. You want what you don't have. Really, they didn't know what they didn't have. They thought they wanted position. They thought they wanted possessions. Then they would be satisfied. Until then, the have-nots were jealous and envious of the haves, and the quarrels ensued. I submit to you, what they wanted that they did not have is the same thing we want, but most of us do not have. Most people want more, more of this, more of that, more of something they don't even know about, just more. In search of the more, I'd like to give you a gift. It is a gift that will make you a pleasure to be around, help you feel settled inside, give you a good attitude, make complaining a thing of the past, erase facial lines and make you look younger, enable you to be at peace, even if the world seems to be falling apart, even if your body fails you or is in great pain. When you have it, it will be accompanied by a grateful and glad heart and a soul that is assured. It cannot be purchased and no one can take it away from you. Having this one thing makes every other gift pale in comparison. It is the gift of contentment. It was many years ago now at a retreat in the Santa Cruz Mountains in Northern California. Several verses captured my attention, written by Paul. At the time, I had one high school child, one middle schooler, one preschooler, and one infant. I took these verses to heart, literally memorizing them, trying not to complain when I was overwhelmed. These incredible verses became my mantra. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, from Philippians 4. You will remember that Paul was shackled and in prison when he wrote these words. By the world's standards, Paul should have been much more content before he encountered Christ on the Damascus Road. After all, he had position, status, and acclaim, which afforded him many privileges and a comfortable living as well. Since that day, everything had changed for him. Again, particularly from an outsider's view, why it would seem that this, his new commitment had wrecked his life. And now we find him in prison and talking about knowing contentment in all situations. 
What a notion indeed. How do you account for Paul's words about contentment? Do you know contentment? Do you even think it is possible? We will endeavor to unpack, unpack this matchless gift of contentment when next we meet. Until then, may God's grace fill you and overflow from you. Christine. Yeah.